eat, drink, smoke. Where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. Tony Katz, that's Fingers Malloy. We're here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. Brought to you by the good people at Backbone Bourbon. So I did this live event with my radio station. And so it was like, it was this whole performance thing. For an hour and a half, we did like a stage show for this audience of 300 people. It was fantastic. And so my part of it, I was set up on stage. I've got a, I've got a, like I'm Lenny Bruce. I've got a, I got a stool. I got a microphone. I got my computer over here. No, that wasn't like Lenny Bruce. He never brought his computer with him on stage. That man was a purist. And on, and to my right, Bone Snapper Rye, the full bottle, Bone Snapper Rye, and a glass. And that's part of what Backbone Bourbon does. I'm drinking it neat. And I don't have a cube. The thing wasn't chilled. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. The rye from Bone Snapper is just out of control. This is Backbone Bourbon, backbonebourbon.com. We're talking about Indiana people. All right, it's it's funny. It's it's done. It's bottled what in Kentucky, I think, and distilled here. I don't know how that is. I call it Indiana. They make incredible bourbons, some seriously powerful stuff. It is the rise where I have fallen in love. You gotta check out their gin as well. These are people who are really putting solid work into it, and they're very clear. We're not trying to overfancy anybody here. We want you to sit back and sip. We want you to enjoy everything that we're doing. That's Backbone Bourbon. And we found out about them on the podcast because we reviewed it. This was over a year ago. You go back to the archives, you know, there on iTunes, and you'll find it. And you'll be able to be like, oh, I remember that episode. They're now sponsors of the show. And they are just absolutely terrific what they do. Why are you smiling? Oh, I've got a question. About Backbone Bourbon? No, that's why I'm keeping my mouth shut for now. Oh, you have a question about something else? Yes, but I, I want you to go through Can the, I finish talking about Backbone Bourbon? You're the one who asked me. You're I there. was sitting here with my mouth shut. You know, you weren't with your mouth shut. You were all in the smiles <laughs> and the giggles. Backbone Bourbon, really incredible, well worth being in your liquor cabinet. Uh, if you use it as a mix, please, we can't be friends anymore. Don't do that. <laughs> Enjoy it. Relax Kessler. with it. In, it takes some time. You'll be happy you shared it with friends. You want to talk about an absolutely incredible kind of bourbon to bring to any type of event as a, as a housewarming gift or as a thank you. BackboneBourbon.com. These people are special. You're going to find out why. Now, we today are checking out the Angel's Envy Rye. And it came because we're doing, as a cigar, uh, the Davidoff Anniversary Number 2. Right, so the way we kind of put this together, the cigar is a very mild, sweet cigar, nutty, bit of cocoa in there. We took a, a, a rye that has a very, very unique pairing uh, going on. Uh, the the nose on this, or I should say, the eye on this is a bit darker in the amber, a little more touch uh, of caramel uh, going on uh, to it. Are you all right there? You right there? I'm in the getting nose? some maple. That is absolutely correct. It does have maple. It's almost like a, a uh, like a like a gingerbread cookie, kind of on the nose. There, it's gonna have uh, that maple that's in there, like like a maple frosting almost. You're also gonna enjoy that on on the palate when we get to it. The palate is going to also uh, have um, uh, a little bit of uh, a black pepper going on uh, in there, and some almost bitter chocolate. So you've got just this nice edged amount of sweetness going on. I gotta cleanse the palate because I was doing the charcuterie plate. Mm. Ah, oh, ah, ah! I was clen- that's cleansing the palate right there. You ready? Have you already done it, fingers? No, I have not. You all right? I'm waiting, I'm waiting. So for the, the way we do it is neat. We do it neat. This is Angels Envy Rye um, that we're doing right now, and then we'll see whether or not we want it 
on a cube. You ready? Yes, sir. You ready? Here we go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sweet. My God, that's good. First of all, it is sweet. It is outrageously sweet. That maple does stick with it. I think the idea of bittersweet chocolate, I would just I would just more say chocolate. It's probably as best as my taste buds could do. There's almost kind of a of, of a weird uh, citrus, citrus in there. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't know what that is. Oh. A maple citrus. No, that's very good. The the aroma of maple, I don't feel like it translates to the taste. I mean, the, the maple's there, but when you when you first take a whiff of this, the maple really yeah. stands out, and right? it doesn't stand out as much when you taste it. So I'm trying to find where I can figure out a good cost of bottle here. Uh, here, here we go. There we are. Much better. Yeah, 40 bucks. Now, I, I think that might depend... Uh, on on where you are, because it's it's very very limited in terms of the areas that they do sell it. I think they practice scarcity, which is I, I think a fun way to play things. It's annoying, but what have you? Uh, can't would I be right if the fruit was candied tangerine? Candied tangerine. I can see that. Right. I would never have guessed it though. I could. All I knew was citrus. I could not have gone to that. And the back end is where you get the chocolate. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Oh, I don't need a cube at all. Did you do it on a cube? Yes. Could, yeah. Just to just to try it? Yeah. Oh, that is wholly delicious, man. To me, the cube brings out the citrus a little bit more, the chocolate a little bit more, and tones down the maple. Yeah. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I, I'll do I'm it. not. If you're loving it now, you you may not like how the ice. It's too late now. Oh, it's too late now. Oh, now I'm in. Geez. Now I'm in. I'll give it a second. I, I have a question, though. Yes. Because uh, you brought up, was it called an evening with WIBC? A night with WIBC. A night. A night. It was fantastic. Well, you teased this a few weeks ago, and I, I want to know. I unfortunately couldn't make it to a night right. WIBC. Uh, you said you were going to do stand-up comedy. So right. Th- th- so did you do this? Like, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. No, I didn't do any What's of that. What's the deal with I, airline food? So, you know, it, I did. Like I had two areas. Like, I had a... An area where I was I was set up like it was a radio show, and then I I like I moved to the other side of the stage, and I had the setup with with the bar stools, mm. and so I did it there. And I, I I mean it was it was funny. I mean I got laughs. I'm hilarious, but it wasn't like full stand up, you know. You know what grinds my gears? <laughs> yeah, I didn't do any of that. You ever notice? Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, but it was close. I do want to try it. I really do think I want to do a tr- try stand-up comedy. I do. I don't know if I'm going to be any good at it. Because I can do this. Like, I can do this in comedy, but stand-up is a whole different l- Listen, uh, I was a hack. Right. Uh, it's, it's hard work, and it is really difficult. I did a, a bit. I'll never forget this. Uh, we had a local comedy club in, in Saginaw, Michigan, where I'm from. And I would do open mic nights, and then I would also uh, go on before uh, the opening act uh, and I remember going up one night and there were only four people in the crowd uh, and I did this bit on country music and I was bagging on country music and I looked down I'm not getting any laughs and I noticed the, the person in the front row has cowboy boots on 
and you can feel the sweat coming out of your forehead right? as you're doing this bit and you're trying to soldier on. It's hard. Yeah, but you work. see, like if I'm doing a bit on country music, I notice the guy in front of me has cowboy boots. I'm immediately going, so yeah, you're the guy who's the problem. Let me tell you why you're terrible. Right? And then, because what, what does it matter? You, I think... I think comedy when you're a 20-something is way different uh, than when you're doing comedy as an established person. Yeah. And you're like, I, I don't need this to eat. Oh, yeah. Which I may can... mean you can't do comedy at all. I think you really do have to be hungry and crazy. I could definitely, I would be much better at it now than I was in my 20s. Uh, because like you said, you, you develop a personality. You know how to handle things better. Uh, but at the time, I'm 24 years old. And uh, it, it's you don't have that life experience to draw on on how to react to something like that. Uh, but it's I mean you gotta you, you, you sit with a notebook and you you try to rewrite a joke like eight different ways and a bit and man it is it's it's not easy. No, no, it's not. You oh, by you the way, the cube all does bring the citrus out. You think you could you could put the work into that and 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 try first, to craft a bit and stuff. First on the Angel Angel Envy's Rye, the cube does bring the citrus out. You're absolutely yeah. right. Uh, yes, I do think I could do that because I do it now for 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 radio. I rework things and rework things, so it's just it, it's a different punchline, right? Yeah. The, the poignant or or, or, or the tee and sometimes they're both the the same thing. And maybe that's just the kind of maybe I'm much more interested in just doing kind of stream of consciousness kind of talk as opposed to making you laugh every four seconds if it's just entertaining. I don't know. Maybe it'd be a crap comic. You gotta actually, you gotta care about it. You gotta work the craft. Like I don't get how you can be a good comic if all you do is YouTube, right? So, yeah. I, I had on the show once um, uh, Billy Gardrell. I can't never pronounce his last name. Gardell, right? So he uh, is the guy who was on Mike and Molly. He's now on that show, Bob Hart's Abishola. A comic, you'd know him if you saw him. I know, I know who you're talking about. I just don't. I'm not familiar with. And that I once to asked him this question, like, because he still does comedy. I think he's coming to town. If he's coming to Indy, we should have him on the podcast. And and I I asked him, is, is it? Do you you're doing a TV show and you're still doing comedy? You know, I mean, I, I got to assume it helps fill the clubs. I mean, is it still? You got to be out there to be known and be seen. He's like, no. Some guy's got two million followers on YouTube. He's going to be the headliner. Doesn't matter. You have too many followers and you can right. fill the club. That's all that matters, you know? So the idea is of just working it out that way, grinding it out that way. Well, the other you know, thing, too, that I've met a lot of comics, and one of the things that seems to be part of their makeup is they're really self-loathing. And I don't see that in you. So maybe uh, yeah. the happy comic. Maybe that's my problem. I don't I don't hate myself enough. <laughs> Work to, on that, will you? To be a... Yeah, to be a <laughs> To be a comic, uh, it's so uh, I I don't want to bag on the comics that I know, but man, are they all really truly miserable, <laughs> right? Like, but some, I don't know I don't know if they do that to themselves or it's just you know that's it's how they have to see the world in order to have the right amount of of, of cynicism or anger or, or uh, to to the thing. Like I don't know if Jim Gaffigan's really angry, like. Does, does Joe Rogan come across to you as angry? No. Or does just he come across to you as a guy going, "What the hell is this? Let me. Did you see what I just saw?" And 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 doing it in 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 that way. Chappelle comes across to me 
You know, I should say this about Rogan too. They come across to me as a bit angry in terms of what are we doing to ourselves? But it is the delivery that is all the thing. You know, the one thing I've learned about radio is that you can't deliver in the screaming way. Nobody wants it. I do, you know, I do the, the, the syndicated midday show, but I also do a morning show. I learned, because I come as a, uh, I start as a red meat guy in, in radio, and you can't be angry at, at 6 a.m. You can't be angry with people who are angry they're going to work. Yeah. You don't want to hear about your problems. They're already ticked off that they're up at 6 a.m. Right? They're infuriated, and you can't be the angry guy. So you got to kind of find a way to take these subjects that matter and kind of laugh them through it, right? Right. And, and do it. So, I, I mean, I've gotten pretty good at that, but it's, it's a different, it's such a different beast on every level. I don't know. I don't know if I could ever have what it takes uh, to do it. I know this. At least in comedy, you have to work at it. Because in media and journalism these days, you don't have to work at anything. Anything. The Joker. And I would love to do a story about The Joker, having seen the movie. Here's what I think, but I haven't seen it yet. Full disclosure, I haven't seen the movie The Joker yet. Opening weekend, The Joker took in $93.5 million. It's a box office record for October. Venom was did have the, the top spot. It took in $80 million. So not, Joker, 93.5. And this is not uh, part of the whole DC conversation, right? D, uh, DC Comics and the DC uh, uh, Universe. This is its own story. It's not even... A, it's an origin story to the Joker, but it's not in relationship to really anything we've seen having to do with Batman and, and, and the Joker. And it's this dark story. It's this guy who's alienated in life and alienated from society and kind of put upon and put down and mocked. And basically the whole ending uh, uh, monologue from Revenge of the Nerds. That's the Joker. <laughs> right? Um, and so he basically loses his his touch and his grip and engages this whole vicious side, if you will. That's the basic story. Well, the movie has gotten people, you know, worried about what's going to happen. Uh, uh, could things get dangerous with the movie? Uh, you know, they've had people who have had, you know, threats to movie theaters and they've shut it down. CNN had this first tweet. Joker, the film about a marginalized clown who goes on a killing rampage, is facing a wave of criticism that it glorifies a killer and could encourage copycat attacks. I'm like, okay, that's odd. People took it differently than me and said, you seem to be the guys who are desperate for a copycat attack. Is that how you took it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, did you think, are, are we at a point in 2019 where if we see any dark character who is violent on a movie screen that we're automatically supposed to start worrying about whether or not there will be some sort of copycat crimes based on a film because that's where it feels like we are in 2019 and I, I don't know about you I never have thought that way but it almost feels like CNN I don't want to go so far as to say they're rooting for something like that to happen because I think that's out of bounds but I don't know why that would enter anyone's mind yeah like it it it, it, it did, not only would it not enter my mind, it didn't enter my mind when I saw the tweet. It like didn't enter my mind, and there's a whole series of tweets like, "Are you pushing for this?" And it, so, 
there's this idea of self-fulfilling prophecy, right? That and, and let's take impeachment just a, a, as an example. The media people who told you Trump was terrible are now the media people pushing every single storyline about impeachment so he can be impeached and then removed from office so they can tell you, we told you he was no good. See, first they told you he was no good without any basis in fact other than they didn't, they didn't like him. Then, in order to prove that they were right, they have to push every sensationalist thing out there. They have to push collusion. They have to push obstruction. They have to push racism. Now they're pushing this, this call with, with, with Ukraine so they can get something, hopefully get him out of office or get him to lose an election and say, see, we told you, don't ever doubt us again. Pat on the head. So, like, they're trying to create that. That seems pretty obvious to me and that they're doing that. I feel that way about recession talk. Yeah, it's not, it's not there. Now, I, I, I will say this, something you keep your eyes on closely. The GM strike is still going on. Yeah. This is getting weirder and weirder. Like, this should have been two weeks and done. We're in week four. It's getting personal now. You're, you're, you're seeing uh, General Motors is actually pulling previous offers that they had on the table, off the table now. And Really? Yeah. They, uh, according to, uh, I believe it was WXYZ in Detroit, uh, a stage called WXYZ? <laughs> yeah. That's just lazy. Uh, GM at one point was offering to keep the Detroit Hamtramck plant open, and they were going to build electric trucks in that plant. Uh, they also had a, an offer on the table to build a, a battery plant near the former Lordstown, Ohio facility, and it came out yesterday. Uh, we're recording on Monday. On Sunday, it came out that they shelved those offers. They actually pulled back and said, ah, we're not so sure about that now. So now oh, it's man. really they're really starting to play hardball because they realize, and, well, and they know that there are United Auto Workers that have been uh, without a paycheck for three weeks. Who are yeah, you know, starting to think. Okay, I got to start planning for what I'm going to do until the things come back. Because when they're on strike, they don't get paid at all. No, they yeah. get a 250 dollars strike pay through the union, and that uh, you don't start qualifying for that until the eighth day of the strike. So they went one full week without anything, right? And then they started getting these 250 dollars checks. But on the recession talk, I'm totally with you. The indicators aren't there for recession. The growth is still there. The unemployment numbers came out. You're at 3.5%, 136,000 jobs. That missed the estimate of 145. But the month before, or the two months before, they revised up 30,000 jobs. Right. Dude, there are jobs out there that aren't getting filled. There's 7 million jobs out there right now. You can have issues with the market because we've seen the stock market go down. There's definitely a slowdown in manufacturing. They took they, 2,000 manufacturing jobs left, right, or, or, or were lost in this past month. I can accept that because there's this global slowdown going on. That's not recession. Recession is, by definition, is two quarters of negative GDP, right? Right. We're nowhere near that. We're not near the GDP you'd really want. And some people are like, hey, Trump, what happened to the 4, 5, 6% GDP <laughs> growth? Well, allow me to tell you, that was never going to happen. Right. 4% could happen, which would be going at such breakneck speed. When you think about China, and and their their GDP growth was five point two percent. What you need to know is that China requires a six percent GDP in order to keep up with the population. They manipulate the numbers to give themselves this. They create. Do you know the ghost cities? You know what ghost cities are? You know, I, is it something like I, during the eighties? 
the media always would report about how the Reagan tax cuts led to this building boom of skyscrapers, office buildings, and when they were done, they were completely empty. Is that what... So, yes, except they're purposefully built to be empty. Nothing was ever purposely built in the United States exactly. to be empty. In China, they're built whole cities. Nobody does anything in. And it's just to give people something to do and to keep paying them through the party. No, but the, the recession talk you're talking about is trying to talk recession, 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 so maybe you could talk everybody into a recession or gaslight them into a, a, a recession. So this joker thing... The question was, are they, you know, working themselves up into saying, oh, uh, we want a copycat, which leads us to their second tweet. A story you found, I didn't even know existed, by a guy by the name of Jeff Yang. I have no idea who Jeff Yang is at all. The headline, Joker, a political parable for our times. The tweet, the true appeal of the new Joker movie lies in its invidious... Or is that supposed to be insidious? Invidious validation of the white male resentment that helped bring Trump to power. What? It's always got to be about Trump. It always got to double back to Trump. Well, they but, need to be worried if that's true because, you know, they just broke a big record at the box office. So, if, yes. Invidious, by the way, uh, tending to rouse ill will, animosity, or resentment. That's invidious. So his story here is that uh, here's a guy who's brutalized by young thugs, beaten by suit-clad Wall Streeters, and his answer to this dual pincer of oppression by people of color and one percenters is a murderous rampage of revenge which catches fire among fellow angry citizens of Gotham and sends them looting through the streets. While many reviewers have focused on this character as an incel hero, which stands for involuntarily celibate. Incel, involuntarily celibate. You'd like to meet a girl, but you, 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 no, one, no girl's interested. The true nature of the movie appeals in its actual broader, actually broader. It's an insidious validation of the white male resentment that helped bring President Donald Trump to power. My mother voted for Trump. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? What are you? The, and this is a great example of trying to set a story in motion. You see why this happened? You see why this is violent? Trump. And try and prove, see, we told you, see, we told you, see, we told Look at our great minds, we told you. Holy hell, how much hatred do these people have for the American people? And the obsession with Donald Trump is just absolutely stunning to me. I mean, listen, I was not a fan of Barack Obama. Uh, he didn't leave, uh, he didn't live rent-free in my head for eight years. It, 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 that's the way it is at CNN. How could you look at a movie like The Joker and think, how can how can we spin this into something that involves Donald Trump? I, they do it with obsessed. everything. They do it with they do it with hurricanes. They do it with <laughs> the, the markets. There is nothing that they don't want to relate back to Trump. I don't know what that is like. We were both there in the movement. Uh, we you know both on the on the political right. We were at events. I I once wrote for a site. I wonder if you could still find it. I once wrote for a site called Obama Must Not Win. It's a true story. Wow. It's a true story. Um, and, like, I didn't want him to win re-election. Aside from that, I wrote about policy. Right. I never wrote about the guy. You know what I used to say about him as a father? Nothing. You know why? I don't know anything about the man as a father. None of my business. When his daughter was working on uh, that show Girls, that Lena Dunham show, you know what I said? Nothing. 
She ain't my daughter. When his daughter was smoking weed, you know what I said? Nothing. You know why? Not my daughter. And one day my daughter probably going to smoke some weed. <laughs> so what was I going to say? What kind of th- what kind of person would do that? You know what I'd say about a, a Michelle Obama's appearance? Nothing. You know why? I don't need to talk about her appearance. I got policies I can talk about. Now, her lunch policies? I did talk about her lunch policies. A hundred percent. But I never, it never dawned on me to make everything so absolutely surreal and angry and vicious. How do you function this way? It, it just feels like they get up in the morning and they're just, there's a, an old Simpsons episode where uh, Mo Sislak screws over Homer Simpson over a drink. And at the end, uh, it drives Homer into madness where all he does is he walks around saying, Mo, 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 over and over again. That's what it feels like. They just wake up in the morning and from the crack of dawn until sunset, it's Trump, 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 Trump. And that's no way to live. No. And so this article is, I mean, it's really, it's really ugly. It is really and truly Kind of, kind of ugly here, and I don't. I still, I still don't know who who uh, Jeff Yang is. Like, I don't know his story. He's the author of "I Am Jackie Chan: My Life in Action" and editor of the graphic novel anthology "Secret Identities" and "Shattered." Oh, oh, oh okay. okay. So, so your psychology background less <laughs> is basically what what you're uh, telling me. He may be able to get you Jackie Chan's autograph. Maybe. Maybe. And, and oh, conversations about comparing him. Remember the guy from Saturday Night Live who got fired for the Asian jokes? Shane yeah. Comparisons to that. It's just, don't be so angry. Hate rots the brain. It really and truly does. And I don't know why, you, why people want to be like this. One of the things I've been getting into is I think I've kind of, for lack of a better word, kind of cracked a, a code on, on how to do some things in, in the world because... You know what gaslighting is. So gaslighting is psychologically manipulating somebody to think that something hasn't happened that has or has happened that hasn't, right? And so it's it's the lies. Where, collusion is gaslighting. It's a great example of what gaslighting is. And so one of the things I've, I've been getting into is part of the problem all of us are having, and I, I don't mean you specifically, but the, the collective us, let's say, is that we are having to deal with the emotion that is placed into the stories by the media apparatchik that is supposed to only report the stories. And that emotion is having an effect on many of us being able to just engage the conversation of what the, what the actual meat of the matter is. So the only way to, to, to the only way to actually engage the, the, the situation, the story, the, the whatever it is, is to strip away their emotion. Whatever it is Chris Cuomo is screaming about, strip that away and what's left, what's left is a story then you get to decide. You get to apply your emotion to it. You get to apply your thoughts to it, your history to it, your your future thinking to it and then decide whether or not it has effect on your life, whether or not it matters or you can just take the data and then apply it to something else down the road. But the, the survival has to be You have to strip their emotions out of conversations because if not, you're screwed, man. How are you supposed to function 24-7 angry? I told, here's one of the stories I told 
from a night with WIBC. I was in New York a couple weeks ago, a uh, bunch of TV stuff and radio stuff, and, and it was great. And I'm sitting at 33rd and 33rd and 6th? Is that right? It's, it's where Macy's is. Third, so Macy's is 34th and something. So I'm staring at Macy's. I think Broadway starts there as it cuts through. And they have this area that's like the this, this seating area. And it's, it's, it's very cool. I mean, maybe I'd rather that cars were able to drive, but that's not my city. It's de Blasio City. So, of course, being Bill de Blasio City, I'm smoking a cigar. <laughs> I, they have these large kind of boulders that block off cars' ability to kind of get through. People are sitting. I'm sitting on one of the boulders. I'm smoking a cigar. It's 8 o'clock at night. It's a beautiful night. It's, it's the city. Listen, uh, de Blasio is terrible, but the city still has its appeal. Don't, don't kid yourself. And I'm sitting there, and this young black woman comes up to me and says, excuse me, can I bum a cigarette? I said, sorry, I only have the cigar. And she says to me, do you have another one? <laughs> and I said, where have you been all my life? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't. I didn't actually have another one on me. I said, I'm so very sorry. And she laughs, and, and, and I laugh, and she, and she walks off. Huh. Woman just asked me for a cigarette. Me. Huh. Interesting. Five minutes later, a guy walks up to me. says, excuse me, do you know where the path station is? So that's like the light rail connects New York and New Jersey. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know where it is around here. Now, I figure there'd be a little bit more west side to get to a path station, but maybe they have them up there. How odd. First, I've got this woman asking me for a, 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 a cigarette. And then I've got this guy asking me for directions. And this guy, I think, was, I think he was Indian. Another black woman approaches me. And she says, can you do me a favor? And I said, what can I do for you? And she goes, will you take my picture? Sure. And she goes, great. I need the sign in the back and a full body shot. I don't know. She's doing a scavenger hunt. I don't know <laughs> what's going on. So she hands me her, her iPhone, and I take a picture. I get it on the first shot. I'm the Ansel Adams of Manhattan at that moment. Uh, I went to the Annie Leibovitz, but no, there were, nobody was a baby in a, in a watermelon. So I skip it. And I start saying to myself, are you telling me that in the span of 10 minutes, two young black women and another young man who I, 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 based on accent, I'm saying Indian. All thought I was the guy they should ask for help. You were the ambassador of Manhattan right there. There was nobody in Manhattan who could have been a more MAGA friendly than me. In, on the entire island of Manhattan, one guy trusted me enough to ask directions. One woman trusted me enough to bum a cigarette. And another woman trusted me enough to give me her phone. Here you are, stranger. Take my phone. Now I ask you, is the country really as angry as CNN wants me to believe? And the answer is no. They're angry. But we're getting gaslit by the emotion they put into the stories. Because I was on the streets. I'm smoking a cigar. I, I, I am doing everything that is wrong, supposedly. And these three people thought I was good enough to enlist for some kind of help or favor. It's chicken or the egg. People are so angry on social media, and, and so many people misunderstand social media and think that that's real life. Right. When, when Twitter isn't real life. 
but so much of what the news media comes up with is news stories or narrative that comes from social media. Yeah, that, no, that's a solid point. Oh, that is a good point. Work again, self fulfilling prophecy. Right. They look for the stories on. So we I think, have we discussed this? This sounds familiar. They do. You're absolutely right. They look for the stories that match up the story they want to tell. Twenty years ago, it was uh, the, the the narrative and the story would be CNN just conducted a poll, and this is what we found. Now in 2019, is there's social media outrage over name the story? Like yesterday, for instance, Sunday, the Cowboys and Packers were playing. Right. And President George W. Bush was at the game. I think this story is amazing. And Go ahead. S- sitting right next to President George W. Bush in a suite is Ellen DeGeneres. Not just Ellen DeGeneres. Sitting next to George Bush is his wife, Laura. And sitting next to Ellen is her wife, Portia de Rossi. The couples are there. And there were leftists who lost their mind. Right. Just can't be- believe it. Just because she went and watched a football game, had, had the nerve to sit next to the first second coming of Hitler, George W. Bush. Right. I mean, I mean, now we got Orange Man Bad Hitler mm. in office. But before Orange Man Bad, it was George W. And Bush after, was And after Orange Man Bad, it'll be Pence. Because remember, Do- uh, Donald Trump is the worst person ever to exist, and Mike Pence is worse. Yeah. Like, that's the way they'll play it. So, the, you know, the, the, you, you can... Look to social media if you're CNN or MSNBC and say, wow, social media outrage today as people saw Ellen DeGeneres sitting next to George W. Bush at... When it's not actually news. And most people watched it and didn't give two craps that Ellen DeGeneres was sitting next to. By the way, I have a whole thesis that Mike Pence should go on Ellen's show. I think he should... Full hour. Now, she has said out loud she wouldn't do a sit-down with Trump. She should do a sit-down with Mike Pence. The definitive interview on Mike Pence and homosexuality. On his Christian beliefs and his belief in America. She can never do it. She's the only one who can. And I, by the way, I have said these words out loud. Pence should do it. He should, he should say, hey, would you like to do a sit-down? And he should do it. And then two or three segments, just him. Then bring on Karen. Then bring on Marlon Bundo, little bunny they've got. She, she would never do it. And it goes back to Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon having Donald Trump on and humanizing Donald Trump. There would be such blowback on the left if Ellen DeGeneres humanized. So therefore, no conversation another, ever takes place. No, of course not. You got to shut that conversation down because you can find out that uh, Mike Pence is actually a, a delightful human being. You know, can't have that. We got to have him continue to be the monster that the narrative has been spun to make people believe. Fanimation.com, fantastic sponsor of the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast, ceiling fans for your home. Now, if you come to Blend Bar Cigar, whether it's Indianapolis or Houston or Pittsburgh or Nashville, you will see Fanimation fans in there moving the air and keeping the place feeling comfortable. Imagine what they're going to do in your living room, in your family room, your outdoor porch, right? You need fans outside, indoor, outdoor, LED lighting, Whisper quiet and exceptionally made. Exceptionally made because it's made the way you want it made. You want certain blades, you want a certain configuration. You can do all of that with Fanimation. Fanimation.com. They really are absolutely positively sensational in how they make their fans, and they'll just ship it right to you. Just go online, you put it all together, boom. 
it comes right to you. And it's not going to rock like those other fans. It's, I have a fan that I'm replacing right now where you can hear it upstairs. I, I like the look of the fan, but you can hear it upstairs. That's not what a fan is supposed to do. That's not the way it's supposed to work. So these fans whisper quiet and incredible, incredible quality and craftsmanship and designed your way. If they can move the smoke around this 5,000 square foot cigar lounge, trust me, they can handle what's going on in your family room. Fanimation.com on Twitter, Fanimation. You can find them there. Tell them you heard about it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Fanimation.com. We're moving on to the smoke, speaking of. And by the way, the Angels MB Rye is seriously good. Now, it might actually be too sweet. It might be. But I, I, I have found that we have more success in enjoyment of the rise than of the bourbons. Yeah, just grab another ashtray. Do that. Um, the rise really do some... They hit a nice spot for me in a way that, that not all the bourbons do. And I find that I like the bourbons. I've got a little a play in them, a little something uh, to them. I can appreciate the stronger stuff. I can appreciate what's going on there. But I just, the rise just give me more in enjoyment overall, which I never knew. Until this podcast, I never even knew that I liked rye. This is lovely. This is a great after-dinner one. Mm-hmm. This is one I can clearly see my wife enjoying. Uh, this is one I can clearly see people who are more amateur to the thing being like, ooh, there's a lot there. And not feeling overwhelmed by the, by the alcohol or the power of it in, in any way. Uh, so that's the Angel's MB Rye. The cigar is the Davidoff Anniversary number 2. This is a mild cigar. Anniversario number two is what it is. What it is. Would I call this a Churchill? I don't. I don't know. The ring gauge on this is forty-eight. It's small. I'm almost into a Lancero, but you know what? That'd be a thirty-eight. That'd be, that'd be smaller. So yes, let's call this a Churchill. Let us call this a a, a Churchill. This is a mild cigar, probably a little more on the full side, um, for, for in, in my way of thinking, a nutty uh, kind of cigar, a touch leathery. There's going to be a little mix of cocoa on there, a lot of cream on the smoke of this. So as a match for the Angel's Envy, we're talking about parallel flavors. We're not talking about contrasting flavors. We didn't go as sweet and as spicy uh, on, on this one as sometimes you might think. We went a sweet with a sweet here. And trying to figure out where those complementary flavors are. I don't think we get into the real flavors of this cigar until we get into the second third, and we just lit up. We're just starting. I think, the fir- to me, the first hit of this is actually tobacco. That's what I'm getting in the first bit of it, and it's coming across to me stronger than a mild. Yeah, and also I was really surprised at how easy it was to light, and I know it's an odd thing to bring up, but, yeah. I-, I mean, the lighter barely kissed this cigar and it was lit right so uh, that's that's a couple things in a couple ways and part of it could have to do with your humidor how your and every humidor is different and the humidor of your favorite shop is different than the humidor in your home and how you're keeping that first distilled water oh don't use tap water you will you will start you will cause yourself a mold problem and you'll be throwing out the puck and you'll be creating some issues with your cigars the puck is where you keep the water so don't if you're using uh, regular water order I mean, I don't mean say order it off Amazon, but order it off Amazon, get yourself a new puck, and throw the old one out. Don't even waste time. Just throw it out. And just use um, an eyedropper and just put a couple drops in the puck? Oh, I don't even use an eyedropper. I just pour it on. Oh, do you? Yeah. 
But I have a, I have a my humidor holds a hundred, so I use a. It's almost like a like a board, is is what it looks oh, like, okay. as opposed to the round kind of puck. Um, but if you, you have a little puck, like, yeah, then I mean you you can use it. Pour it into a paper cup and then pour it in. But I just pour it on. I let it absorb in. Sometimes shake it a little bit to get the water to really like break through and then and then get in there. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Well, listen, I don't mean to, you know, hey now, yeah, uh, or hey yeah, or whatever that song is. But this cigar is is a good cigar. This is not an inexpensive cigar by any stretch of the imagination. What are we looking at per stick? Uh, if if I have it right, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm trying to. I I, I had it. I just had it. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Was this at the thirty three dollars a stick? Yeah, I'm gonna go with thirty three. Yeah, and and you get confused at that moment. Wait. I'm going to wait for you on the second, third. You're going to see a difference, right? There is a difference in some of these things, right? I do get the tobacco on the first. There's definitely a good smoke on it. It is definitely lit up lovely. Um, the ash is more of a light gray than it is a bright white. So we'll see if that has any play in this whatsoever. That initial tobacco punch goes away very quickly, and now it's just a mild smoke. Yeah. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm still I'm still getting a bit of a tobacco punch. Speaking of punch, Glenn Livett. I may punch the person who came up with this. Glenn Livett, I have been sent this question more on Twitter at Tony Katz and go eat drink smoke than anything else. What do you think of this? The Glenn Livett capsule collection. So what they've done is they've taken Glenn Livett and they've created uh, we're talking about the single malt people here. Right? The, the, the Scotch whiskey people. And they have uh, turned it into little cocktails. But they've injected the cocktails into pouches. The pouches are made of seaweed. They're clear. And it looks like a Tide Pod. It looks exactly like a Tide Pod. And what you do is you pop it in your mouth and you, you, you chew it. A little pinch it, in between your cheek and gum. And it bursts open in your mouth. <laughs> really? Really? That's who you are? That's what you tee? And um and that's and that's how you drink it. That's how you drink it. I cannot describe I've never I haven't tried one yet. I will try one. I, I just from the, the start. This is a miserable idea made by terrible people who want attention. Congratulations, Glenn Levitt. You know what this reminds me of and why we should try this? Do you remember the story? <laughs> Do you remember the story of the woman walking around Walmart drinking wine in a Pringles can? And we did an Instagram video. Yes. I think we need to do an Instagram video of us trying this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. I'm happy to try it. But, and by the way, wine in a Pringles can, not bad. Right? Absolutely not bad. If you can get the Pringles dandruff completely out of the can. This is such a bad idea on so many levels. But I'll give you the first one. The top line one is not a safety one. The top line one is Glenlivet is supposed to be enjoyed. Drinks are supposed to be enjoyed. They're not supposed to be pounded. Why not just fill the pouch with Natty Light and get it over with? You're, you know? You're not, oh, man, I had 20 Natty pouches. <laughs> That's what I had you're, right there. You're not fireball, okay? Mm. Can we expect a little bit more? The other thing that I think of is, you know, we had this whole discussion a couple weeks ago about 
these things uh, marketing to children. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. The right? Tide Pods. If you're going to make it look like a Tide Pod, well, clearly you're marketing to children, right, Tony? I mean, so, well, someone's going to say that. Someone is going to get into that. This is just a remarkably bad idea. And, I, and, and, and again, it's not from, I'm not going from the safety side of these things. I'm going from the total wrongness that's involved in ruining what should be a relaxing moment. Whiskey and seaweed shouldn't mix either. Yeah, but I think it's just seaweed. I don't think it actually tastes like anything. It's just, it's just seaweed mix. No, I'm, just, I'm talking about basic seaweed principle. Thing. So, I, so it, it's, it, we're ruining things. Don't ruin things. I, I, I don't know why I'm so down. bothered by it. It's a step down. It is. Like when we, when we talked a couple weeks ago about Pabst Blue Ribbon coming out with a whiskey. Like, okay, we're hoping that maybe this is a step up for Pabst right. Blue Ribbon. But that, but you see, that's a shtick. Glenn Livett shouldn't be involved in shtick. No. Pabst can be involved in shtick. I get it. You know, you, you know what Glenn Livett could do? Scotch lollipops. Now you're saying lollipops, but it's a scotch lollipop. You can almost see it. Like, you can see how that could be fun or interesting. You want to just choose some scotch? That's, that's dumb. That's a really bad idea. Speaking of bad ideas, Elizabeth Warren is in the news. No? <laughs> Elizabeth Warren is in the news because she's a liar. Now That shouldn't be news, though. Uh, right? But this is a new liar. I, I put to, on the record, she's the, as, as of we're, we're doing this podcast, she's the front runner. This is an undeniable fact. This isn't about whether or not you like her. I'm not saying I like her or her policies. I'm saying that she's the front runner for the Democrats. She is someone who lied about being Native American for financial and social advancement. She said that she was Native American and she, she got jobs at Harvard because of it and she got you know written up and talked about because of it. She has no Native American blood. One 1,024th uh, is, is not Native American blood. That is um, what happens when you sit on a public toilet seat. You will get one 1,024th of something. Especially it, in Manhattan. Right? Is, is, is what it is. Now the story is, she's told this story repeatedly, Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts, that she had gotten pregnant, and that's why she got fired from her job as a teacher. She has told this story more than once. She was fired. Told that she, they wouldn't bring her back because she was visibly pregnant. As the story goes, because there's a video now from a few years, well, more than a few years back, 2007, I believe. Is that it? Okay, so we're talking about 12 years ago. She says, and I quote, I went back to graduate school and took a couple of courses in education and said, I don't think this is going to work out for me. I was pregnant with my first baby, so I had a baby and stayed home for a couple of years, and I was really casting about thinking, what am I going to do? Does that sound like somebody who got fired because she was visibly pregnant? Or is that someone who said, you know what? I'm pregnant. I think I'm just going to have a have this baby and take care of this baby for a while, which is what a lot of women and families do. Well, the statement that she makes on the on the campaign trail is, I was visibly pregnant, and the principal of the school did what principals did back then and found someone else to teach. I don't remember hearing all of these stories. 
back in the, the 70s and the 80s about principals oh, mass yes, firing fingers. pregnant It was a cabal teams. of principals who got together and said, we don't want the preggers here. <laughs> It'll lead to impregnation of the children. The children, think about them. We can't have somebody saying, well, how did you get pregnant? Well, I decided to be a slut and let some man put himself inside me. Oh, that sounds like a good idea, said the six-year-old. Let me try it with little Johnny in the seat two down. And this leads to kids ingesting Tide Pods. Right. <laughs> I've never heard that story. I never know. You're absolutely right about that. I never heard that. She lied about this? Why? It never. Uh, answer why. Because in 2019, Tony, you have to fit into the victimhood scale somewhere along the way. And here you have an elite. You have a woman who was a college professor. She's a United States senator. She's a front runner for the nomination, president of the United States in her party, even though she is less likable than Hillary Clinton. And I didn't think that was physically possible. <laughs> and yet she somehow still has to portray herself as a victim, overcoming adversity. And many of the base of that party will not care whether that story is true, because it could be true, Tony. And it's her truth, Tony. And that's all If you that say matters. her truth to me again, I'm jumping the table. <laughs> I'm going right for your throat. Oh, you're so right. I hate that you're right. Victimhood status is everything. And think about how put upon this woman is. She is uh, the, the senator from Massachusetts and the front runner for president, yet somehow the system is rigged and unfair. And to think this this whole cultural appropriation conversation that is happening all over the country with various things, this wasn't cultural appropriation. This was bloodline appropriation. Right. To me, that's ten times, you would think that would be ten times worse to the leftist base of the Democratic Party. But ah, she's on our team. It's okay. She's fighting the good fight. So it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll overlook some things. I mean, and that's typical of both sides. Both sides do it. Lefties are really good at it. They overlook the the car going and uh, off the bridge at Chappaquiddick. Yeah, he's a good, you know Ted Kennedy was a good liberal. So it's uh, we'll look over some we'll look past Robert Byrd. Yes, we'll look past the white hoods. Yeah, eh, it's fine. fight. Hey, he he got us money to make a a, a highway in in West Virginia. Good enough by me. <laughs> Holy cow! It it. I find. We have now multiple stories of people who weren't oppressed and had to find a way to be oppressed. As David Chappelle called them, Juicy Smollett. <laughs> so unoppressed as a gay black man in America that he had to pay two Nigerian guys to dress up in white face and MAGA hats, <laughs> put a rope around his neck, and pretend to beat him up while he held on to a Subway sandwich. <laughs> what an age we live in. That is... The, how have we not? How has no one done a recreation of this on a freezing cold night in uh, in Chicago? And good for him, by the way, for salvaging the the subway sandwich and the whole ordeal too. Right. Hold on to what's important. <laughs> There's an awful story about a 12 year old girl in Virginia, black girl, who claims the three white boys held her down and cut off her dreadlocks. It never happened. She admitted that she lied. To the credit of her grandparents, who deserve much credit, we are absolutely destroyed by this story. We are so sorry to the police. We are so sorry 
to the school. We are sorry to you that this happened. We have a lot of work to do. We cannot apologize enough. Like, there was no, well, society, this and that. No, they know their daughter screwed up. And dear Lord, you, you could, it was the first. You know, I'm not a believer in apologies. I think people fake apologize all the time. It's garbage. I won't have anything to do with it. These people are the first, I think, in a long time for me where I'm like, oh, God, I feel for them. Like, it's just got to be a, you did, you did what to whom? These three kids, the school. And you know why it became a national story? Because Karen Pence, the second lady of the United States, teaches art at that school. Yeah. Oh, they're attacking young black girls. The school Karen Pence works at. And that's the, the voice they use. Yep. Just the kind of atmosphere you would expect from, from a, a Karen, Karen Pence school. school. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that story is, is bothersome. And it just goes, and there's this long line of people claiming that they were attacked, assaulted, insulted, degraded, and it never happened. They do it to themselves. And then you've got a, a jacktivist, I like to call a him. What? A jacktivist, a journalist activist who will find a story like that and try to blow it up. And then there are, it doesn't seem like, and I have to look back, I, I confess that I have not uh, followed up to see if this journalist who pushed this story lost her job. But it, it, it's the whole, it could have happened. Right. We'll move on with our day, because that could have happened. Uh, the, the only thing that story was missing was the kids who were cutting the dreadlocks off, were they wearing MAGA hats? That was the only thing that was missing from the narrative that they were trying to spin on this story. Did you, did you catch the NBA story that broke literally today? No. Let me catch you up on the NBA story. Okay, this is the NBA story. The NBA story is going to be a foreign policy story and everything that the NBA didn't want. The last thing in the world they wanted is a fight with China. What they wanted to do, very under the radar, is be able to capitalize on the Chinese markets. They wanted to be able to get all the Chinese money that they could, and they didn't want anybody to notice, hey, you're doing a lot of work with people who are cracking the skulls of Hong Kongers right now. <laughs> you're doing a lot of work with people who imprison their own people for speaking freely or reading a book or, or, or doing anything else. You're really working hard with people who are desperate to be part of a uh, uh, totally destroying the Uyghur community. I said, never, never know if it's pronounced Uyghur or Weiger, but we're talking about Muslims that live in the center part of, of China and are basically being oppressed by the Chinese government. So here's the story. You know, the NBA is trying to go more national and international, just like the NFL is doing. They played a game in London just the other day. Ugh. They're trying to they're trying to get more, more uh, international. Settle down, fingers boy. I'm Tony Katz, by the way. Hey. Uh, and... The NBA has had games in India. They've had games in Japan. The general manager of the Houston Rockets is a guy by the name of Daryl Morey, M-O-R-E-Y. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And he puts out a tweet, which is an image that basically says, I stand with Hong Kong. Freedom in Hong Kong. Oh, my, this explodes. He quickly deletes the tweet, but it's too late. China is in full-on outrage about this. I mean true, serious, almost deranged levels of outrage because how dare you be on the side of freedom? 
you have to be on the side of the Communist Party. And so now there's massive billions of dollars of money at stake. Billions of dollars at stake. Immediately, I shouldn't say immediately, a few hours later, you get the apology. You get the apology from this guy, from this GM. I did not intend my tweet to cause any offense to Rockets fans and friends of mine in China. I was merely voicing one thought based on one interpretation of one complicated event. I've had a lot of opportunities since that tweet to hear and consider other perspectives. He then continues. <laughs> I have always appreciated the significant support our Chinese fans and sponsors have provided. And I would hope that those who are upset will know that the offending, that offending or misunderstanding them was not my intention. My tweets are my own and in no way represent the Rockets or the NBA. Holy cow. That's some world-class groveling right there. So, that is some a stunning and amazing groveling at that moment. So two questions for you, Tony. Yep. Who did he hear from first, the Chinese or the NBA commissioner's office? And who wrote that statement? Did he write it or the NBA commissioner's office so write that So I would statement? argue he heard it heard directly from the owner of the Rockets who said, are you out of your damn mind? First of all, you know who the biggest name in China basketball is? Yao Ming. Yao Ming actually runs the Chinese Basketball Association. You know, you know where Yao Ming played his pro ball? Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets. So this is ugly for them on every level. That apology he may have written himself, but it was checked by the lawyers, checked by the Rockets, checked by all of them. Goes without question. The NBA then puts out an apology. The NBA puts it out through Mike Bass, their chief communications guy recognizes that the language of the tweet, quote, deeply offended many of our friends and fans in China, which is regrettable. We have a great respect for the history and culture of China and hope that sports and the NBA can be used as a unifying force to bridge cultural divides and bring people together. The NBA has failed the China test because we discussed this in terms of Google and in terms of Apple in terms of all these tech companies that have no problem like creating uh, programs that engage censorship. They have no problem in, in saying, hey, we, we believe in freedom. Oh, Trump is an oppressor. Oh, by the way, whatever you want, China, just give us your money. Like it's craven in that way. And this NBA tweet is freaking craven. Craven in how desperate they are I mean, there's there's questions of, of them pulling out of this and pulling out. It's China. This is what this is exactly what they do. How dare you offend us? The Chinese people are not the Communist Party. The Communist Party is a vicious, vicious organization of people. It really and truly is. They're absolutely horrific, horrific people. You're talking about a society that has no problem killing its own citizens. You have a society that has no problem with throwing its own people in jail. Absolutely no issue whatsoever. And now here you are knowing all this. And in America, it's all about how much social justice and, oh, the police brutality. And, oh, this group isn't treated right. And, oh, that group isn't treated right. But for China, you're desperate to keep your mouths closed. That brings us to James Harden. Now, James Harden, the beard. 
Oh, that's a good cigar. That's the Davidoff right there, Anniversario number two. That is a good cigar. James Harden. They're in Japan for games. And here's the quote. We apologize. And he's standing next to Russell Westbrook. We love China. We love playing there, both of us. We go there once or twice a year. And he actually said, they give us the most important love. I, what does that mean? I, I beats the living hell out of me. Somebody should ask the question. The most important love? I have no idea what it means. Nobody knows what it means. We appreciate them as a fan base. We love everything about them. And we appreciate the support that they give us individually and as an organization. We love everything about them? What the heck? Seriously, James? Seriously? You love everything about them? Do, do, you, do you love how they wanted to be able to extradite Hong Kongers at will to be able to torture them to get information that they want? Do you love the part about them that actually don't allow people to leave the country? Oh, you can come in, but you're not allowed to leave until you give them the answers that they want. Do you like the theft, the, techno, the techno, technology theft? Do you like the intellectual property theft? Do you like the trade secret theft? Which parts about them, about the all of them, do you love? What? I, I want to call out James Harden as a guy who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Because James Harden does not know what the hell he's talking about. He said, get out there and apologize. And so he did. Without knowing thing one about what he was supposedly apologizing for. The NBA. Now, I, I, we're going to get into whether or not this tweet should have been sent out by the GM in a second. Do they not know who they're dealing with? China's, China's bad actors. China's bad people, not the people. It's the Communist Party. They control everything. They run everything. There is no freedom. What freedom do you think there really is in China? Every company is owned by the Communist Party. Don't tell me about Alibaba and how they're the Amazon of, of the Far East. They, can you even say Far East anymore? I'm not even 100% I don't sure. I don't know what the rules are. We'll get the, the woke warriors in on that. They're run by the Communist Party. Huawei, the whole fight about 5G technology, this, this, this phone company, they're the Communist Party. How could you even think they are anything but? This is who they are. This is what they do. And this type of radicalness, radicalness to running to apologize, to running to beg forgiveness, to save themselves all the money, this is as gross as the day is long. I thought the benefit of having these relationships with China and the Chinese people was to show them how great freedom was and how great capitalism is. And that was the benefit to help uh, grow capitalism and help the Chinese people who are yearning for freedom turn their society more towards a, a free society instead of communism. Um, and what we're seeing here is uh, at the end of the day, the dollar means more than the messaging. And that's troubling. Now, the, you, you brought it up. Should, well, this is basically corporate America. I mean, the NBA, I mean, we're talking billions of dollars here. Should someone in that position be tweeting that? Should they be treated like you would expect a government official to be saying, hey, we stand with the people of Hong Kong? So let's do a couple things here. Um, first, and I want to get to all of it. Uh, the GM was wrong to send out the tweet. And the reason I say he's wrong is not that I disagree with him. But rather, the GM is wrong because he had to know he doesn't just represent him. This idea that I only tweet for myself is not true when you're the general manager of an NBA team. It's not fact. 
You don't just tweet for yourself. Now, if the player had said something, that player would have a whole, it would be a whole different thing. You're talking about representing the team here and you don't get to speak for yourself. And so I think that this guy has got a huge amount of problems and that he may very well get fired as a way of saving face. That's over here. That's, that's, that's one thing. But you, 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 the first thing you brought up, and I wanted to comment on, I'm forgetting what, what you said, was the, the, I- the idea that we were supposed to be developing these, these relationships to sh- show the Chinese people how great co- uh, capitalism is and try to foster an environment of freedom in China and hope that they would gravitate towards freedom and push back against an oppressive regime. So it's time to get to the reality of what has happened with this idea. The idea that you're referring to was a big idea in the 80s and the 90s that if you bring them more Western culture, they will become more Western. That was the entirety of the plan. You open up a McDonald's, you get them in blue jeans, right? That was a luxury line from the West Wing. It was this whole philosophy. China went the other way. China looked at Gorbachev and they looked at the fall of the Soviet Union and they said, The answer here is not more freedom, it's more communism. Then they took a look at the Arab Spring. They took a look at what happened in the power vacuum in Libya and a couple of the other places where these protests took place, and they said the answer is not more freedom. It is more party and more adherence to the party line. And over the past years, especially under President Xi Jinping, it has been writing himself into the Constitution, setting setting himself up as president for life dictator, a thug. It has been changing the education system to push everybody into further adherence to the party. The party being all things. The further absolute um, uh, propagandizing of the populace to say that the party is good and supporting the party is everything and those who don't support the party are leading to the destruction of the fabric of China. It has led to the Chinese credit score. The social credit score, where they have a multiplicity of video cameras on you all the time. All of the time. And they're measuring facial movements, and they're measuring what you do, how you do it, and they're deciding that you have a social credit score. With that social credit score, if it's high, you're allowed to travel. If it's high, you're allowed to apply for jobs. But if it's low, if you aren't acting in a way that the party deems acceptable, you don't get to travel. You don't get to apply for jobs. They are keeping an eye on people 24-7, 365. Their entire philosophy has been to take our philosophy and say, nope, that's not it. That is 100% not it. They went the other way. So America lost the moment. And I don't even know if I particularly blame anybody. Because, it was. listen, I bought into that philosophy too. They've gone the other way. They have no plans of giving up communism. The only way they give up communism is when they die. Now, I'm only discussing it as a matter of truth. To this idea of what the NBA does, President Trump was wrong when he said, Happy birthday, China. (laughs) You don't wish happy birthday to a communist regime that killed 65 million people under Mao. You don't do that. Don't tell me about your Trump love. I don't want to hear it. You don't do it. 
What the NBA has done is exactly what Facebook has done. It's exactly what Google has done. Hey, there's this big market with lots of money. Let's go get it. Hey, you know, they kind of abuse their people and torture them and kill them at will. All right, well, so we won't get those people's money, but we'll get everybody else's money. They got a billion people. There's some sweet cash. That's how you fail the NBA test. So the GM gets fired. Don't you think? I mean, I especially if, if China puts pressure on on the Rockets and says, "Hey, we we aren't the money comes back." This, if 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 you lose this guy, I have to assume that he gets fired. I have to assume that the the GM is going to go. But the bigger story here, the much bigger story here is what's going to happen with the NBA, and what happens when we learn. That the, the the NBA fan doesn't give a damn. There's a weird social moment that's going to happen or should happen or maybe it even won't happen. We have nothing but athletes talking about social justice 24-7, 365. And now we have people proactively supporting China and saying we love everything about China when they oppress their citizenry daily. And no one's going to notice, hey, maybe we've got a a critical moment here right how is that going to work i would also like to know if if you could get any man on the street reaction if the chinese populace even heard about this tweet what's the the chinese nba fans reaction because i would assume i would hope but i don't know that they would be applauding that tweet privately 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 uh maybe Maybe they would be applauding that tweet privately. Uh, and the NFL should not be in London. <laughs> really? You don't you care about no, that? No, it's awful. Uh, the only thing that's good about it is when you get an NFL game at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Right, then, see, it's then it's good? Then it's good. Solid. Yeah. You can live on the West Coast. Games start at 10 a.m. Oh, I will admit, living in L.A., games would start at 10. You were done by like 6. Uh, and you can just go about your life. You got to sleep on time. <laughs> Everything. Monday Night Football starts at 5. Oh, my God. It's like a dream. Like a dream. No wonder those people are so happy all the time. <laughs> Except for all the taxation. Yeah. Uh, you can't tell me that. You can't lecture me on social justice. You can't lecture me on decency and then be like, oh, yeah, China's cool. I don't want to hear it. This is going to bring up massive choruses of shut up and play. Don't you dare lecture to America. Don't you lecture and then pull this crap this is crap and we're not even going to agree to disagree here James Harden is just wrong oh he's got to protect his pocketbook no he doesn't no he doesn't James Harden is just wrong now does James Harden get instructions from the higher ups maybe as to what to say or is he just coming off a court and uh, a reporter shoves a microphone in his face no, and he, he's no. going rogue now, now, wait, uh, maybe there's another way to look at it. James Harden was just trying to make nice, and he isn't thinking about all the implications, and he's never thought about all the implications. And, okay, right? That's, that's absolutely positively possible, man. It's really and truly possible. But the NBA knows better. And the NBA just wants the market. That's all that they want. You're dealing with an oppressive, violent regime of people who have decided to triple down on being oppressive and violent. It is the party or bust. That's, that's who they are. Um, the part that I'm watching 
is not how the media treats the NBA and the hard questions that come up. It's how they avoid the question altogether and they make this disappear. Right? Am I, I live in Indianapolis. Am I still going to go to Pacers games? Yes. I'm still going to go to Pacers games. I think that goes without saying because I don't mind the NBA playing here in the United States. But you're kidding yourself if you think that China's a good place. You're kidding yourself if you can kowtow this way and think that some of us won't notice. The question is how many people are going to notice? And then how many people are going to say, man, that's a bit of hypocrisy compared to a lot of the things that we get talked about about the social justice here in the United States. So the media either does what it can to try to make the story go away or they try to try to tie it to Trump somehow. And <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but when you listen to the, the full podcast that will be released later, we talk about the, the Joker movie and how CNN had an opinion piece where somehow they, they were tying the Joker movie, the, the, the appeal of the Joker movie to, to Donald Trump's followers. So it's either going to be let's we got to sweep this under the rug and hope it all goes away or how can we tie this to Trump? It's yeah. One of those two things. Yeah, it might, that might very well. Uh, be it yeah some people came on to the podcast late because we've got a video up facebook.com slash Tony Katz radio so if you missed any part of it you gotta go and subscribe on iTunes to eat drink smoke that is where the podcast is going great because of you and getting better all the time absolutely love it eat drink smoke on iTunes subscribe and give it a five star review find Fingers Malloy at fingersmalloy.com is that it fingersmalloy.com yeah, fingersmalloy.com uh, you can find me at tonycats.com twitter and facebook uh, Twitter and Instagram, Tony Katz. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. That's what you do. Uh, blend. These are good people. Blend Bar Cigar, where we record the podcast. Backbone Bourbon. Fanimation. Your ceiling fans. BackboneBourbon.com. Fanimation.com. Find out what we were smoking and we were drinking. If you didn't catch the podcast, it's there at Eat, Drink, Smoke. Fingers Malloy. I'm Tony Katz. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Go Lions. Go Lions. What is so wrong with you? <laughs>